Deception, the forgotten sign, the coming of Christ and the end of the world. That is the message I have for you today, ladies and gentlemen. So let us dig into the word of God. You can turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, starting at verse 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. So right off the bat, ladies and gentlemen, we have a situation here where the disciples of Jesus Christ, his own followers, they come to him with a question, talking about the second coming. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? They knew that the world would be done with, okay? The end of the world. That's what they're talking about. That's what they, they're inquiring about. And what was the answer that came from Jesus. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. So I want you to see right off the bat here, folks, in this message, I'm talking about deception, the forgotten sign. You must understand, ladies and gentlemen, that deception is to the right and left of us. You know, I came out of Roman Catholicism. That was deception. I'll be focusing mainly on that in this message. But I want you to know that there are many uh, false religions out there. You know, you could talk about Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, Judaism, any religion without Christ as the Savior is deception, okay? So let's look at Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 to 5, written by the Apostle Paul. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So the Apostle Paul refers to this present world. He calls it this present evil world. So we're living in a world that is being described as evil. You know as well as I do, you look to the right, you look to the left, you see trouble, you see war, you see chaos, and then everywhere, it's in our face every day. And uh, this is why I want you to focus on uh, this message here. We're talking about the second coming, the end of the world. This is what the Bible is speaking about here. Uh, Jesus said this, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14, he said, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. So the Lord is, is basically talking about salvation here, and he's talking about following him. He's going the way that leads unto life, talking about eternal life. And what does he say? He said, few there be that find it. Very few people uh, find this great gift. 
and yet it's available to all. And, and most people are on that broad way that leadeth to destruction. What's he talking about? Obviously, he's talking about an eternal hell. Let's get real once again, folks. Uh, the majority of people in the world today, as I speak, are on the broad way, you could call it the broad road, to eternal destruction, folks. We're talking about hell. So keep in mind that those words were spoken by Jesus Christ himself, the creator of all things. So uh, it's very important that you see that. Revelation chapter 12, verse 9, it says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So I want you to see here, as we deal with this topic of deception, okay, the devil called here, described as the great dragon, he's called the old serpent, called the devil and Satan, all speaking of the same uh, evil spirit, folks. And what does it say? He deceiveth the whole world. So, folks, you, you, you have to look around you to the right and to the left. You know as well as I do, if you've been truly saved, you've been born again of the Spirit, that most people do not know the Lord. Most people could care less about the Lord. And they, uh, <laughs> they let you know that in no uncertain terms sometimes, uh, folks. So the devil is in the business of deceiving people. I was deceived growing up. In the Roman Catholic system, I was living in deception. So when the Lord opened my eyes, when I was born again of the Spirit, I saw the value of the Word of God. I saw the value of the Scriptures, and that came through the knowledge uh, of the Holy Ghost opening my eyes. That, that's how it happened, folks. The Holy Ghost opened the Scriptures to me. That's the way it works. And you realize the truth, and the truth sets you free. It's the beauty of salvation. And uh, very important, folks, so as I deal with this thing, this topic of deception in the last days, First uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Keep in mind, this is written by the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was a man. Until he got saved, he was a deceived man himself. Now, he had the scriptures. He had the, the uh, Hebrew. Uh, they, they were on scrolls. This, is, this man was a student of the word. He was trained up under the best, okay? But the, the only problem was, folks, he didn't know the Lord. He had the word of God. It goes to show you, you can have the scriptures and still not know God. And that was the case with him until he got saved. All right, so now he's saying that the Spirit speaketh expressly. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. Keep in mind that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth. He said in the latter times that some are going to depart from the faith, going to leave the faith. Why? Because they were seduced by spirits and doctrines or teachings of devils. It's heavy. So uh, keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. He's not talking about the unsaved. He says, some are going to depart from the faith. Very clear. 
Now, I want to show you uh, briefly, uh, I'm going to touch on Judgment Day because we are talking about the end of the world here. And I want to show you that the, the last day, meaning when Christ comes back, it's only one day. You know, I want to uh, get you away from that thinking that there's going to be several judgments. There's one judgment. When the Lord comes back, folks, folks that's it. End of story. So John 12, 48, it says this, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. When? In the last day. Okay. Acts chapter 17, verses 30 to 31, it says this, In the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. So I'm, I'm focusing here, folks, on the truth that it's only one day. So, so the modern day teaches uh, what they do is they'll tell you that there'll be uh, 1,000 uh, earthly reign, kingdom of God on earth. Some say at the end of 1,000 years, there'll be the great white throne judgment, and they make separate judgments, and I'm uh, dispelling that uh, teaching with these scriptures here. John 5, 28 to 29, it says this, Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in, are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth they that have done good unto the resurrection of life and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. You see that? It all happens at the same time. So there's not this 1,000 year gap between judgments, folks. That's, that's not true. And that's why, this, that's why I don't believe in this thousand-year earthly reign. You see, that millennial reign that most people are being fed today uh, by the dispensational teachers. There's one judgment, one central judgment. When the Lord returns, that is it. Hallelujah. So, uh, by the way, this uh, scripture here talks about a resurrection to life or damnation. Obviously, that dispels the, the theory of uh, annihilation, that people just cease to exist. Oh, no, you don't. It makes it very clear. Some are going to be resurrected unto damnation. These are people who died already, folks. So don't buy that uh, teaching that, that you're just going to go into this uh, uh, non-existence. It's not true, folks. Fun the pit of hell. So let me read to you Acts 24, verses 14 to 15. But this I confess unto thee, that after the way which they call heresy, so worship I, the God of my fathers, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets, and have hope toward God, which they themselves also allow, that there shall be a resurrection of the dead, both of the just and unjust. So that was spoken by the Apostle Paul after he got saved Obviously, he says, I'm serving the God of my fathers. I worship the God of my fathers. I believe uh, all those things in the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. And he clearly is making it uh, clear here that, that it's for the just and the unjust. So it's all at the same time. Another scripture I have for you here to prove this point, 2 Thessalonians 
chapter 1, let's begin at verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you, and to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believed in that day. So what I want you to see here, folks, we're talking about when the Lord comes back. Okay, he's revealed from heaven with his angels. In fact, you can read the gospel accounts. You'll see the Lord comes with his angels. We're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It says here that he's taken vengeance in flaming fire on who? Them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They're going to be punished with everlasting destruction. It's forever, folks. Not a lot. Annihilation, okay? And I want you to see that this takes place when, it says verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints. You see that? <laughs> right? It's as plain as the nose on your face. So it's, it's at the same time, folks. When he comes, you know, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. But at the same time, folks, we're talking about the last day. We're talking about judgment, ladies and gentlemen. When, when those who reject the gospel, they don't obey the gospel, they will be judged. So let's go to Matthew 25, verses 31 to 34. Jesus speaking, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations. And he shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come ye, blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. So here is the final day, folks. The Lord's going to come. It's, it's the judgment of the sheep and the goats. Listener, right now as I speak, you are either a sheep or you are a goat. So when we're talking about judgment day, ladies and gentlemen, you're either on the right hand or you're on the left hand. Okay? So the sheep, it says, on his right hand, but the goats on the left. And what does the Lord say to those who are on the right hand? He says, come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. That's good news, folks, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Keep in mind, you know, some people like to say, oh, no, this is the judgment of the nations when, when God's going to judge the nations as if, as if he's judging uh, countries as a, as a unit, all at the same time. The only problem with that way of thinking, folks, is, you know, nations, they don't have souls. Individuals have souls. 
and God is judging individuals. What this is talking about, all the nations of the world, folks, that have ever existed since the beginning of time, every man and woman will be there on judgment day. Oh, yes, they will. And folks, that's why it's so important to know the Lord. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 41. What does he do with the others on the left hand? It says, then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Wow. Now, the words that are being used here, everlasting fire, you know, folks, when we're talking everlasting, the Greek word there is ionios, A-I-O-N-I-O-S. Okay, it means everlasting, means forever, means eternal, okay? By the way, that's the same word, when, you know, when we talk about everlasting life, that's the same word that's used. So for the, for the believer, you know, we, we like to read about everlasting life. Praise God, because it's forever, it's for eternity. So when you're talking about fire here, everlasting fire, folks, it's forever. Don't, don't buy into that, uh, that teaching, you know, that it's not forever or that you're going to be annihilated. No, it's forever. It's eternal torment. And, and this is what's rarely heard in the pulpits throughout the world in the day in which we are living. The devil is behind that type of teaching. So keep in mind, we're dealing with the topic uh, the sign, the, the forgotten sign of deception, okay? Now, I, I've said before many times, the Church of Rome, the Roman Catholic Church, they preach a counterfeit gospel, so that is deception. You know, I, I understand that the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Muslims, the Hindus, Buddhists, and New Asia, yeah, that's also deception, but I am speaking from experience here. I'm speaking to you concerning the Church of Rome. And, um, very important that you see this. Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 to 10, the Apostle Paul speaking, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Wow. So we're talking about deception. Uh, the Apostle Paul is letting us know that there is a curse upon anyone who preaches a counterfeit gospel. He says, there's only one gospel. So in my own experience, when I got saved, I obviously left the deception of Roman Catholicism, the counterfeit gospel. Okay, I'll, I'll be going over a couple of the doctrines just by name. You know, obviously I could spend hours going into each teaching, uh, but clearly it was the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit of truth that pulled me out. Light exposed the darkness. And maybe you're a former Mormon or a former Muslim, whatever. It's the same principle. Light exposes the darkness, and you exit the place of darkness. Very simple principle. And that's why, you know, it's very troubling when you see uh, the modern day, how many people are joining hands with Rome. So, so I, you know, 
Uh, as a new Christian, folks, I'm going back over 30 years. I've seen this my whole life as a Christian, that people are deceived. That they join hands with Rome and even boast about doing that. That's wickedness. We are living in a day of deception, a day of apostasy. Let me give you something from uh, the Catholic News Agency. Here's an article. This was from January 1st of this year. It says, Pope Francis entrusts the late Benedict XVI to the Blessed Virgin Mary. I mean, I, all I have to do is read the title, and you'll say that's deception. I think you would agree with me if, in fact, you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. Now, th this is incredible stuff to me. Pope Francis entrusts the late Benedict XVI to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Folks, when I was born again of the Spirit, it was all about Jesus. I used to be into this stuff with Mary and the apparitions I, I've spoken about and Medjugorje, and reading about the other apparitions at Lourdes and Fatima, Guadalupe, okay? It's all deception. So here is a man that's still in that darkness, and yet he's elevated by many modern-day well-known preachers. So let me read from this article here. It says, At the first papal mass of 2023, thousands of Catholics gathered in St. Peter's Basilica prayed for the late Pope Emeritus, Benedict XVI, who died on New Year's Eve at the age of 95. In the prayers of the faithful on January 1st, the congregation prayed, Remember, Lord, the deceased Pope Emeritus Benedict. May the chief shepherd, who always lives to intercede for us, welcome him kindly into the kingdom of light and peace. On New Year's Day, Pope Francis entrusted the soul of the late Benedict XVI, to the Virgin Mary, to the Blessed Virgin Mary. Today we entrust to our Blessed Mother, our beloved Pope, Emeritus Benedict XVI, that she may accompany him in his passage from this world to God, Francis said. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, do you see what's taking place here? This Pope is now presenting this deceased, former deceased uh, Pope, Benedict, who recently died. He's handing him over to Mary, entrusting him to Mary. Can, can, can you believe this? Now it says that she may accompany him in his passage. So leaving this life from this world to God, as if Mary's going to come and put her arm around this dead Pope. That's deception, folks, you see? And many, many people, you know, they say there are a billion, over a billion Roman Catholics in the world. People are deceived. This is what they are believing. So that is deception. Now, if you remember... When um, a man by the name of Stephen, if you read about him in Acts chapter 7, he was stoned to death because he was a believer in Jesus Christ, and he, he was speaking to uh, the Jewish people, and as he testified, he let them know that they were resisting the Holy Spirit. Long story short, they decided they had to stone him to death. And look in Acts chapter 7, verse 59, it says, And they stoned Stephen calling upon God 
and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Now, you, you, you didn't find Stephen praying his rosary, folks. He wasn't there holding on to his rosary beads, uh, invoking Mary, and hoping that Mary might uh, accompany him into heaven as, as he goes into heaven. You, you don't find that. You don't hear him praying a Hail Mary prayer uh, that, that Mary would be there at the hour of his death, which is what the Hail Mary is all about. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. I did that for years, folks. For years, prayed my Hail Marys. No, he's, he's calling upon Jesus. In fact, he had a vision of Jesus uh, waiting to receive him. So w when you see the truth, when you see the truth, folks, you will walk away from that type of darkness. So, also from that same article, it says, like the shepherds, Christians should also prioritize time in the new year to contemplate the Christ child resting in his mother's arms, the Pope added. So there it is once again. I've spoken about this before. You know, Jesus Christ is presented as if he's a little goo-goo baby in the arms of Mother Mary. You know, this is what takes place. This is the propaganda also you see on Christmas cards, okay? You'll, you'll notice that it's Big Mary, Superior Mary, little baby Jesus, the Christ child in Mary's arms. That's the Catholic Jesus, you see? That's what I grew up with, folks. That's the Catholic Jesus from that same article. On January 1st, the Catholic Church also celebrates the World Day of Peace, a tradition established by Pope Paul VI and confirmed by Pope John Paul II. At the Mass, Pope Francis entrusted victims of war to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He prayed for all those passing these holidays in darkness and cold, in poverty and fear, immersed in violence and indifference. For all those who have no peace, let us invoke Mary, the woman who brought into the world the Prince of Peace, he said. So once again, he elevates Mary. Mary, Mary, Mary. I, I came out of this stuff, folks. I came out of this darkness. Keep in mind Revelation 1, 17 and 18. I want you to know that Jesus is not the little baby rolling around in Mary's arms. If you want to get a picture of what the real Jesus is like today in heaven, Revelation 1, 17 and 18. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. Jesus Christ, the real Christ, he's the first and the last, uh, same first and the last that was spoken about in the Old Testament by Yahweh himself. That's who the real Jesus Christ is is hallelujah that's the christ you need to know ladies and gentlemen christianity today magazine had an article back in february of 2016 uh, i believe you need to know what was spoken the title of the article says pope francis quiet on catholic persecution of protestants in mexico then you have a little subtitle that says two dozen protestant Families get utilities turned back on after two years of punishment. It's important that you see this stuff, folks. So 
by the way, Christianity Today, very ecumenical uh, magazine, but I give them credit for speaking uh, this to the people. Update February 23rd, four days after Pope Francis visited Chiapas, that's in Mexico, local officials agreed to restore water and electricity to 27 Protestant families. Two years ago, the utilities were turned off when the families refused to participate in or donate money to Catholic celebrations. But in another Chiapas village, Catholic officials refused last week to allow an elderly Protestant man to be buried there. The man was part of 12 Protestant families who were expelled from the village for their faith in 2012 and have been living in a homeless shelter in nearby San Cristobal de, de las Casas. That's Spanish. The city is where Francis led mass and denounced Mexico's treatment of its indigenous peoples. John L. Allen Jr., associate editor of Crux, called the Pope's silence on Catholic persecution of Protestants a striking omission. <coughs> Obviously. Particularly with a Pope who has spoken multiple times about how anti-Christian persecution is creating an ecumenism of blood. Evangelicals were hoping that he would make a point of denouncing that persecution when it comes from elements of his own flock, he wrote in his analysis of Francis's Mexico trip. During Pope Francis's tour of Mexico this week, he visited the southern state of Chiapas in an attempt to bolster sliding Catholic numbers in the indigenous region. Of the 90% of Mexican adults who were raised as Catholic, 81% are still Catholic, according to the Pew Research Center. In Chiapas, just 58% are Catholic, according to the 2010 census. All across Latin America, Catholics are losing converts to Protestants, according to Pew's tally of record low levels of Catholicism across 19 countries and territories. At the same time, the region's Protestant minority has grown steadily for the past 40 years. I can make a point here. You know, by the way, Pope John Paul II, he also, you know, spoke out against things that were going on in Brazil because so many people were being converted, getting saved out of the darkness of Roman Catholicism. And at one point, Pope John Paul II referred to those people as rapacious wolves. Now think about this. We're living in a day when everybody's calling for unity, but I'm here speaking to you as a former Roman Catholic against the darkness of Roman Catholicism. I'm bringing articles like this to, to prove my point folks, that, that it's a deceptive system. Here's a man that went to Chiapas, never uttered a peep about the persecution of people. I mean, these people for years have their uh, utilities turned off. If this man was a true Christian, <laughs> he would say something. Folks, he's not. You see, he's an unsaved man promoting the darkness of the Roman Catholic system. Oh, yes. The Holy Spirit of Truth brought me out. The modern-day church dances with the Church of Rome, and it's going to get worse, folks. So, um, you know, Pope Francis, including all the 
previous popes uh, before him, they, they turn their backs on Almighty God, the true God of the Scriptures. Just the very fact, ladies and gentlemen, that they allow themselves to be called Holy Father. When you know that Jesus said, Let, call no man your father on this earth. They, they, they go by that title, you see. That should be enough for any true Christian pastor, minister, to say, no, we can't work with you. You can preach the gospel to them, but don't work with them. Oh, no, you don't do that, folks. So he's referred to as the, uh, the vicar of Christ. And they seek, as I've said many times, to rule the entire world. And that, don't, don't, don't think that's, that's just some wild statement. That, that's what they're about, folks. That's their teaching. It's part of their doctrines. They still offer up the sacrifice of the mass, which they believe satisfies the justice of God for sins committed against him. They still perform transubstantiation. They believe that that wafer host is the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. That's darkness. Still teach that a, a child, an infant, is born again at infant baptism. That's darkness. That's deception. It's not true. I was baptized as a baby. I was not born again when I was baptized as an infant. I was born again in truth at the age of 36 in 1989. Hallelujah. They still teach that they are the only true church. Now, Pope Benedict, by the way, you know, Pope Francis referred to him as the chief catechist. He was the man of doctrine. That man didn't mince words when he defended the Roman Catholic Church. He was adamant that they were the only true church. So here's that church who they call the only true church. The Lord pulled me out of that darkness. And people are working hand in hand with the church of Rome today. They'll say, oh, we, gotta, we work in unity. Some will say, oh, oh, only the charismatic Catholics. Folks, I came out of that too. It's darkness. They, they, they claim to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and they're still doing all the same things that the other Catholics do. I said before, it's Roman Catholicism on steroids. They still pray to Mary. They still promote Lourdes, Guadalupe, Fatima, and all the other demonic apparitions. They still believe in a sacramental salvation. They still believe in a make-believe place called purgatory. They still have over 100 anathemas, 100 curses against people like myself who disagree with their counterfeit soul-damning teachings. Do you see uh, the message I'm bringing forth today, folks? Deception, the forgotten sign. When they ask Jesus, what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the world? And he said, take heed that no man deceive you. You're hearing the truth here. I'm bringing light so that it would show you what's darkness and dispel that darkness, folks. Just like the Lord saved me, he can save you. So don't ever forget that. John 8, 32. Jesus said, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Question, does the uh, papacy fit the description of the man of sin that we read about in 2 Thessalonians? 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
Let's start at verse 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things? So, uh, let, let's take a look at this, folks. First of all, we see that it's talking about the coming of our Lord. So that's the second coming. And it says, and by our gathering together unto him. One event. He comes and we're going to be caught up to meet him in the air. We're going to be gathered together unto him. It happens at the same time. Okay? And then verse 3, it says, let no, let no man deceive you by any means for that day that second coming, or gathering together unto him, it's not going to come, except there come a falling away first. Now, if you look at the Greek for falling away, you'll see the word there is apostasia. That's where they get the word apostasy. A-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-A. -A. It means a defection from truth. Apostasy. Falling away. Okay? So, the Bible predicts that before that man of sin is revealed, there would be a falling away, an apostasy, and that man of sin is going to be revealed. Now, many people believe they won't be here for that, that they, we're going to be raptured out. They say, oh, no, we won't be there. Now, here's the deception, folks. Here's how you're going to get fooled. You're waiting to be raptured out. Meanwhile, I'm saying, first of all, let me say something. We might not be... Uh, that generation that sees that, folks. We might not. It, it could be years away, okay? So I'm not saying you're going to be the ones that see it. I'm not saying I'm going to be the one uh, that sees it. But what I'm saying, the people who are alive at that time, many people believe they're going to be secretly raptured out so they won't be here. But as I said, deception will be right before them. So when, when, when this is going on, it's happening right before our eyes, basically, you know, it's, there's a buildup, at least, when we see the deception that's already here. So uh, that person, it says, will be sitting in a temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Now, many people are waiting for another temple to be rebuilt. But I suggest to you today, folks, you don't have to agree with me, that when we speak about the temple of God, we're talking about believers. We are part of the temple of God. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. Apostle Paul speaking, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. So, so personally, our body is a temple. The Spirit of God dwells in us. 2 Corinthians 6, 16. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So the modern-day church 
folks, the, the true believers, if you've been born again of the Spirit, we are part of a united temple. Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone in that temple. We are living stones. 1 Peter 2 and 5 and 6, ye also as lively stones or living stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion or Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So I want you to have this picture, folks. When we talk about the temple of God or the household of God, it's a spiritual house. We've been born again of the Spirit. That's how you become part of that spiritual house. If you're a believer, you're part of that holy priesthood. So keep that in mind, folks. The chief cornerstone in this spiritual temple or this spiritual house, which is the modern-day church, made up of believers, listen, both Jewish and Gentile. So if you go down and witness and share the gospel with a man down the street, he tells you he's Jewish, and then you explain the gospel, and, and it makes sense to him, and he says, you know, I want to receive Christ. And he gets saved. He's truly saved, born again of the Spirit. That man becomes part of this spiritual temple, this spiritual house. And the same thing is true of a Gentile. You go down and you share the gospel. Uh, a Gentile man uh, could be a drunk on the street. He, he gets saved. He becomes part of that same, glory to God, that same spiritual temple. And that's how, that's how it works, folks. So this is the temple of God. So I want you to see, folks, that the, the Pope, the papacy, they, they've been duping people for so long and speaking within the true spiritual house they come in and they have infected it and they're allowed to speak even to the people of God inside their own buildings. Remember, the church of God is not a building. It's wherever two or more are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the church. So even though we meet in a physical building, the people themselves, the true believers, that is the temple of God. That's the true household of God. Glory to God. So what do uh, what did the old time... Uh, commentators have to say about uh, this whole thing. Listen to what Albert Barnes says here. He says, no Protestant will doubt that this has been the character of the papacy, the opposition of the general system to the gospel, the persecution of Wycliffe, of John Huss, of Jerome of Prague, of the Waldenses and the Reformers, the Inquisition, the cruelties in the reign of Mary, Queen of Scots, and the massacre of Bartholomew in France are obviously illustrations of this. So he uh, clearly saw the papacy uh, in, in this whole deception, ladies and gentlemen, that we're talking about, about being deceived, uh, the one that would sit and claim to be God, sitting in the temple of God, sitting amongst the people of God in the household of God. Let's see what Matthew Henry had to say, well-known commentator. It says, the characters here given, 2 Thessalonians 2 and 4, that he opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or is worshipped, and thus have the bishops of Rome not only oppose God's authority 
and that of the civil magistrates who are called gods, but have exalted themselves above God and earthly governors and demanding greater regard to their commands than to the commands of God or the magistrate. As God, he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. As God was in the temple of old and worshiped there and is in and with his church now, so the Antichrist here mentioned is some usurper of God's authority in the Christian church who claims divine honors. And to whom can this better apply than to the bishops of Rome, to whom the most blasphemous titles have been given as Dominus Deus Noster Papa, our Lord God, the Pope. Deus Alta in Terra, another God on Earth. So he's, he's translating there, I guess that uh, looks like Latin. So that was by Matthew Henry. So these people, folks, they made no bones about it. They saw the darkness and the wickedness of the papacy and the Roman Catholic system. So... Uh, that's what I want you to see. Keep in mind the words of Jesus Christ. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. You know, very often you'll find uh, modern day pastors quoting people, Roman Catholic people, such as Mother uh, Teresa. Uh, and I want to give you a quote here from a book. Uh, it's called Mother Teresa, Her People and a Work, written by a man by Desmond Doig. And this is a quote from Mother Teresa herself, she said, if in coming face to face with God, we accept him in our lives, then we are converting. We become a better Hindu, a better Muslim, a better Catholic, a better whatever we are. What God is in your mind, you must accept. Now that statement by Mother Teresa was her response when she was asked by somebody, uh, when, when, you, when you're out there, she worked with the, the, the poor people in Calcutta, uh, do, you, do you try to convert them? And so here's her answer. Oh, you know, basically she's saying, oh, no, we, we make a, uh, if they're Hindu, I make them a better Hindu, a better Muslim, a better Catholic, or whatever, you, whatever, whatever God is in your mind, you must accept. Now, that's not the sound of a Christian. That's not the sound of a person who's been born again of the Spirit who knows that there's only one way of salvation. Let's go to Acts chapter 4, verses 10 to 12. It says, Be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which had become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, anybody, folks, hear me. If you are a true believer, I'm talking about you're a Christian, you've been born again of the Spirit, and you know it. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are or no other paths to salvation except through Jesus Christ. When I got saved, folks, I knew that right away. Clear as what I just spoke to you. There are no other ways to be saved, no other way to heaven, unless you come through Jesus Christ. And these words, by the way, were spoken by the Apostle Peter, speaking to the people of Israel. So it is not uncommon to find 
pastors, well-known pastors all over what you would call Christian TV, quoting people like Mother Teresa. You'll find Mother Teresa in Rick Warren's book, um, The Purpose Driven Life, I think it was called, or The Purpose Driven Church, They're talking about elevating uh, Mother Teresa. Oh, people elevate her, okay? She preached a false gospel. She believed a false gospel. So um, another one that they quote, uh, people will, you'll find them quoting Teresa of Avila, okay? She was a Catholic mystic, ladies and gentlemen, who levitated. You know, she'd be praying. She would start raising up off the floor. And, and I read accounts where her prayer partners actually had to pull, hang on to her to pull her down from going up any further. You know what that is, folks? That's witchcraft. It's demonic. It's darkness. But yet people will quote her. And, and, and this is what I'm talking about. The false teachings of Rome have infiltrated the modern-day true church, and it's been going on for a very long time. People don't even bat an eye anymore. You could bring this stuff up to them, they just walk away. I've experienced it, folks. This is where we are. We are living during that time. and We don't know how long before the Lord comes back, but, folks, deception is everywhere. If you look at Romans chapter 5, folks, I'm talking to you out there today. Perhaps you're listening, and you don't know if you're saved or you're just tuned in because of the title, I, I want to let you know that you can be saved. I want to let you know about the love of God and what Christ has done for you. And this goes for both Jew and Gentile. There's no other way in. If you're Jewish out there, this is, this is the way you're going to come in. No other way. Okay? If you're waiting for that future kingdom, a thousand years, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. As they say in Brooklyn, forget about it. It ain't going to happen, folks. So Romans chapter 5, verses 8 to 10, it says, But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us much more than being now justified by his blood. We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were yet enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. That's the beautiful passage that I love so much, folks. Why? It lets me know that Christ died for me. Jesus Christ paid the price. I'm justified before a holy and righteous God by his blood. I'm saved from wrath because of what he did. I'm reconciled back to God because of that death on the cross. And that, that's, that's good news, folks. And that's available to anybody. I, I briefly spoke about, you know, the first time I street preached, uh, there was a lady uh, that handed me, uh, I was listening to a preach, enjoying it, by the way, and, and all of a sudden she walks over to me with the microphone, she had it slung over her shoulder, and uh, she says, hey, you're preaching. And, and at first I said, oh, no, that's okay. She says, no, you're preaching. She didn't ask me. She says, you're preaching. That woman that handed me the microphone, folks, she was a prostitute, a former prostitute, folks, but she was saved. She was gloriously saved. She told us, okay? So, so that's the way God works. So the blood for the prostitute is the same blood that will save the religious person. We all need salvation. Folks, don't ever forget it. You and me without Christ, we're nothing but a bag of sin. That's all. You're a bag of sin. You're a load of sin. That woman prostitute, before she came to Christ, she was a bag of sin. I was a bag of sin before the Lord saved me, marching on the highway to hell. I'll never forget that. Bottom line is, folks, you must be born again. John chapter 3, 
Verse 6, Jesus speaking, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth or wishes, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. It's a spiritual birth, folks. It must take place before you die. If you're not born again before you die, listen, you will die in your sins. You'll spend eternity in a very real eternal hell. You're hearing the truth here, folks. You are hearing the truth here today. Don't ever forget that well-known man by the name of John Wesley. He preached about being born again very often. Uh, near the end of his life, so he was being interviewed by a person. He said, Mr. Wesley, got a question for you. How come you always preach about being born again? Mr. Wesley responded, because you must be born again. <laughs> Glory to God. I love that story. It's the truth. You must be born again. Let's go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation 20, verses 11 and 12. And I saw a great white throne in him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of of fire. Now, isn't that uh, serious language, folks? I mean, no matter who you are, that should put the fear of God into you. So this is talking about a judgment. Now, this is often called the great white throne judgment, as if it was a separate judgment. And what they do, the dispensational people, they put this at the end of a thousand years. I'm here to tell you today that when Christ comes back, there's one judgment and this is speaking of that same judgment. So people out there are thinking today, no, brother, I'm not saved by my works. I'm going to get to that. Listen carefully. Oh, no, 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 no. No, this is only for the, uh, for the nations that are heathen. And uh, oh, Listen, this is the final judgment, folks. This is Jesus Christ. He's sitting on a great white throne. Every man and every woman who's ever lived since the beginning of time will be at this judgment, folks. You're going to see Adolf Hitler at this judgment. There's not a man or woman that will escape this judgment, okay? It says the books are opened. And then another book is opened. It's called the Book of Life. And the dead are judged out of these books, ladies and gentlemen. So everybody... All the dead, the sea, everybody who died in the sea, uh, delivered up the dead, okay? Death and hell, okay? That, that's incredible. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. People who are already sitting in, in, in torment, ultimately coming back, they're going to be judged and then ultimately cast into the lake of fire. But there's an ultimate judgment 
day. And what does it say? This is the second death. These are people who are never born again. Okay? You've heard that saying, it says born, born once, die twice, born twice, die once. Okay? So the second death, for all the people that rejected the gospel, they're going to be cast into the lake of fire. But it says, whosoever was not found written in the book of life, they're cast into the lake of fire. So obviously, those in the book of life will not be cast into the lake of fire. Now, the Christian, when, when, when we're there on that day, as I said, you're going to have the sheep and the goats. So there's the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. But we as believers, folks, we know we put our faith in the Lord and we know that our own works do not save us. We know that we as believers, there are different works that we have been ordained that we would walk in them. Titus 3, 5 says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So don't get under condemnation if you're a believer. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So there's not a believer on earth, folks, that will boast that their own goodness or their own works got them into heaven. Okay? Oh, no. It's not of works that any man should boast. It's nothing but the mercy of God. It's nothing but the grace of God. That's the beauty of the gospel. So I'm going to leave it right there, folks. Keep in mind what we're talking about here. Remember the title Deception, the forgotten sign, the coming of Christ, and the end of the world. You be blessed and have a great day.